listening to Rabbit Radio, the official podcast of FC Edmonton. All right, here we are. 2017, a brand new year, a brand new season ahead of us. This is Rabbit Radio, the official podcast of FC Edmonton, coming to you live from the First Round Sports Restaurant in downtown Edmonton. Looking forward to a good show with Andreas Morris, uh, Jeff Paulus, known as almost JP. Forgot I almost forgot. All I've had is a pierogi burger. It's gone right to my heart. And our special guest... Uh, is Jay Ball, the general manager of FC Edmonton, and uh, lots to talk about, lots to talk about. Many things have happened in the off-season and around the holidays, um, and, and we'll get to all of that during the show. Um, having Jay in here, we want to get right away into the thoughts and um, happenings of the front office and what the front office has been busy doing in the off season, preparing for the new season coming up. And so, Jay, we'll start off right away. We, we, we've noticed, uh, especially over the holiday time, that we've got a brand new fan shop um, that we've got out there in the community of Edmonton. Why don't you fill us in a little bit about how that came about and where it's at? Sure. So back in November, we started having some discussions about how we were going to stay engaged with fans during the off-season. And so uh, with any sport, when there's off-season, generally the front office disappears to different corners of the world and and uh, you just take your vacations. The challenge with our club is we just need to be as visible and as vocal as possible in the community, even during the off-season. Mm-hmm. So what we did is we approached the uh, Edmonton Minor Soccer Association and uh, asked for uh, just a short-term pop-up lease on the South Edmonton Soccer Centre. Uh-huh. Did a very quick deal and literally... Uh, a couple weeks after that, we moved in December, pretty much December first, into the uh, the fan shop opened into the South Soccer Center. That's awesome. That's great. Yeah. yeah you, you, it, have you been in there? I, I've not been in there yet. We were just discussing that before really we started cool. the show. It's really cool. Yeah, it's yeah. catching a lot of eyes for sure. The minor awesome. soccer community is is one of our primary markets, right? And and so you got to go where the, where they are. So the, of course, the discussion you have with fans. Is, there is different than you would have with people on the phone who have never heard of the club of before, right? So they know who you are and they, they know the brand, right? So yeah. so since that time, we've sold a ton of merchandise, especially before Christmas. People were buying FC Edmonton toques and scarves and shirts and hoodies and a lot of season tickets. It's, it's funny because I'm actually seeing a lot of that merchandise yeah, out and about it. now, which is yeah. fantastic because... You know, in the what the four seasons that I've been here, it's 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 been kind of hit and miss. It was like if you saw somebody wearing some of the uh, the kit or the product, it was hey, that's great. It, it's real exciting now to see more of it. Uh, that's just absolutely fantastic. It's a good thing to see. Yeah, yeah fans yeah. fans are the best brand ambassadors out there, right next to the team. So yeah, you got to get them in the gear. So uh, where where exactly where, where were we set up in the South Center, right? South. Yeah, the South Soccer Center. There's there's an old pro shop there that we took over, and uh, the team really, you know, this front office staff did an amazing job of of transforming that empty space into like a retail operation. So Mm -hmm. you walk in, it's a store. See, that's awesome. All our gear is there. There's a history of all the all of your pictures are on the wall. Andreas (laughs) said you lent us, and that's really drawn in the crowd. (laughs) (laughs) Andreas, you know what? We gave away. uh, I have to do a shout out to uh, Dave Johnson at Playmore Sports. He gave us a FC Edmonton branded foosball table. Awesome! And so we had a draw. So like literally about a thousand people entered the draw from the beginning nice. of the December to I think just after the Christmas break. Mm-hmm. And so we gave away the uh, table here just a couple days ago to a lucky uh, a lucky winner. Ooh. Well, that's fantastic. Yeah. Not bad. Not bad. I am a foosball champion. Ah, uh, foosball are champion. You? Are you? Where? Well, yeah, exactly. not in the front office. Where? Not in that yeah. front office. Well, maybe now. Since in the seedy underbelly of Edmonton, yeah. I am yeah. the foosball champion. Now, always gone, so. That's an that's alternate right. fact. The, the alternate that's fact. Right. <laughs> well, that's fantastic. And, uh, I mean, continuing on with the, the holidays and, and the off-season part of things, uh, I mean, what's it looking like with the season's tickets? Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, I would think having a pro shop or a, a, a store, we can actually sell season's tickets mm-hmm. there as well. And um, how's that going? I mean, you know, I think if you look at the front office now, uh, we've made some changes, obviously, over the last 10, 11 months since I've been around. Mm -hmm. And the one thing that we as a combined unit have that we didn't have last year is the ability to work with each other going into the season. So last year I started just weeks before the season started. Yeah, exactly. Changes happen. And then we, we spent a good portion of the year learning and figuring out what was what. And so, you know, once November rolled around, we had five months to roll in, four months to roll into the season and yeah. start planning. So uh, what's happened now is, uh, you know, season tickets have doubled since where they were last year. We've That's done great. that in a period of about seven weeks, maybe eight weeks. 
weeks. Yeah. We still have two months to go. So we have some pretty lofty goals where we think the, the stadium needs to be in terms of season seat sales mm-hmm. before we open tickets to the general public. Um, and so we're, we're off and running on those. We're now back at full capacity with our sales staff. We've expanded. We've got six people on staff right now selling uh, seasons right now. All we're selling right now is season seats. Oh, no that's groups, fabulous. No individual tickets will be open until almost the season is open. But uh, it's all about season tickets. tickets we're, season seats, we're getting people focused on becoming the fans for the entire season. Yeah, and that's the biggest thing is trying to draw the people in there and and keep them engaged within the team and uh, within what goes on at the stadium uh, for... For entertainment value. Yeah. Are you going after a certain demographic, Jay? Like, are yeah. you setting it up uh, so that, um, you know, you're going after a target audience and then you set up the experience for that audience? Or are you going uh, into these sales with an idea of what the game experience is going to be like for these people and pitching that? That's a good question. So the season seat offers that we have right now are really geared toward one primary market. Um, and then as we get closer to close to March, you're going to see everything flip over because we got some big announcements coming in on March 1st, um, and then the theme for the season will kick in at that time. Gotcha. So along with our season ticket offers, there will be our group offers will kick in at that time as well, which will have a different theme, different different flavor as well, and appeal to a different market as well. Right now, uh, we're just selling season te- season seats. Right now, we just need to make sure that we open the season with with a, a certain number of season seats in, in, in the stands. That's the focus. And all of our staff is aligned to that as well. Mm-hmm. That's great. Which is fantastic. Uh, I, I know getting on with the season seat sales, I mean, people that are in the know in particular are, um, are, are groups of fans that uh, are, are really Twitter Twitter literate and stuff like that. Uh, there was a, obviously something that we'll talk about a little bit later in another segment uh, about the USSF's decision on uh, uh, Division Two. Who gets Division Two? Was it NASL? Was it USL? So we'll, we'll, we're going to touch on that a little bit in, in, in a little bit later, and, and it's going to have some uh, effect, obviously, with the number of teams that are still within the NASL, uh, which leads us to the scheduling and tentative games that are coming up. So scheduling. scheduling, yes. Yeah. Instead of scheduling, scheduling. <laughs> For me, it was just a little simpler to Is say. That the Queen's English? Tomato, tomato. Uh, <laughs> on we get. <laughs> yes, some queen told me how to say it. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, just curious to know what your thoughts are as far as uh, I mean, because even us, myself, JP, and Andreas, being on somewhat of the technical side of the team, we we, we still don't know exactly the games and who's uh, you know the schedule. And I know you've got a, a bit of a bit of knowledge towards that. So, so you know, James and and uh, some of our marketing team at the office, we've been working closely with the league on on just finalizing the scheduling pieces. It's close, and my sense is that'll be an announcement very soon. As you know, there is delay, and we they've had to scramble to pull all those pieces together. Mm-hmm. Those pieces are almost all together right now. Huh. I can't announce exactly when our home date will be, but I can tell you that um, I, I I know what days we'll be playing and um, I think that we listened very carefully to what the fans wanted last year they wanted uh, our guests in the stadium wanted a better choice they didn't want just Sunday games mm-hmm. and so I can tell everybody right now that for next year we have five Sunday games booked four Friday night games booked and seven Saturday night games. Wow, that's fantastic. That is huge. Fantastic. So from a marketer's huge. from a marketer's perspective, that's a dream. In order to, to to push out a pro sports event on a Saturday night in our city, and uh, they're all front end. Most of those Friday nights and Saturday nights are front end in the beginning of the season, mm-hmm. um, and that's to make way from some of the for some of the CFL scheduling a little later on. I will. I gotta say that the city has been absolutely fantastic to deal with over, the, especially the last couple of weeks. Oh, that's and great. The last forty eight hours, because a lot of this all came down today. Mm-hmm. Um, this, they've been absolutely great to, to work with, and um, <laughs> they, they've helped. Everybody was scrambling a little bit. I think everybody was, yeah. Was, was there, I mean, I, I, like we said, they were scrambling, and this includes the league. Was there any, um, are there any league-wide partnerships that the that, that are going to come into play this year, or is that too early to tell? Are they working on that in the back burner? Do you know anything about that? I can't really speak for the league, but I think that, I think that once... You know, once those are put to bed, they'll they'll announce them. But yeah. I don't have any answers for anything like that. But, but you know, let me just remind all of our fans out there: five Sunday games, four Friday night games, and seven Saturday night games. That gives us the ability to throw 
a great soccer experience together for our fans and guests in the stadium. And I, mean, I and I tell you that that that'll have a huge effect on the players as well. There's nothing so. better uh, talking to you know players of old that I've worked with and and in the past. How much they love night games yeah. and playing in an evening as opposed to the day games. Uh, I think it appeals to all the all the all of our markets. It appeals to the, the minor soccer families that aren't playing at Saturday night. They're, they're playing on Sundays, right? Mm-hmm. It appeals to the families. It's a great family night out, especially at our price point, right? Mm-hmm. We know how to engage the fans. You guys have seen that, and many of our fans have experienced mm-hmm. that. It appeals to that post secondary group who, who who wants a night out on a Friday night or a Saturday night. Um, so, and I just think it's uh, it's a huge step forward for the club. It really is a big victory for us, I think, in that. And, you know, it's going to be nice to not be the only three or four people at a at a pub celebrating <laughs> that will be a Sunday night. <laughs> yeah, this is great. That's guys. a good point, Jake. Uh, so yeah, so true. I mean, there's been so, many uh, many a Sunday yeah. evenings yeah, and, and by ourselves. By ourselves. Yeah, and we know cheers. now that we're guaranteed sixteen home dates, right? So yeah. we can plan our evenings uh, accordingly. Accordingly, eight, yeah, for eight sure. In the spring season, eight in the fall. That's, right. That's correct. Yes. And I believe that uh, wound into those sixteen home dates are the Amway Cup schedule as well. So that's, That's wound into it. Yes. Yeah. So. They're included in that. No, there's an extra two, I believe, right? There's an extra. Yeah, so there's 18, I believe. Yeah. They start quick, right? They start, I believe, in April. First one is April. Uh, Yeah, I think in the past we've started, yeah, late April for the Amway. Yeah. So those are, when the schedule is released, the NASL regular season will be 16, and then the the Amway Cup will be wound into that as well. I, I I guess we're facing Ottawa first round. Yeah, I yeah. would imagine the same. I don't think I've heard any different scenario. And from then the, the winner of that plays Toronto, I think. Yeah, it's the same, yeah. They, I know there's been a lot of talk of whether PDL, PDL teams be able to play in this or not, or you knew if there's, gonna, if there's going to be new USL teams eventually. Um, what about coming, the USL teams like year. Vancouver? And yeah, no. Then that's still not going to be allowed because they're they're Because they're, affiliated. they're MLS affiliated. Yeah. Um, but Ottawa is different because of their, their own program who will use some uh, Montreal players, right? So they well, still is that different are, then? Well, because they're still an independent club. Okay. Yeah, they're just an affiliate club. If it was like the Whitecaps too, where they can push players up and down on a daily basis, the actual reserve. They want to, yeah, they want to avoid that. So, um, there's just. Excuse me. I don't think we're really jumping ahead here, but something because we talked about, um, you know, when all this when all this stuff was happening that everyone talked or heard about with the NASL and, you know, all the, the discussions at the USSF level and teams were wanting to leave the NASL and there's all these rumors flying on Twitter mm-hmm. and whatnot. You know, FC Edmonton stayed pretty steady. And the message here never changed. And, and I think because you've, you've announced today that you have a couple of new hirings, I think there's been three new positions now hired in the club and a sales on the sales side yeah. alone. You know, maybe just talk about that, Jay, because when, when, when everything looked like the ship was sinking, FC Edmonton was kind of the bright light in the league yeah, and, and you, kept it going. You maintained that, uh, you know, FC Edmonton flag and kept kept burning throughout the, the whole offseason. Yeah, that, sure. um, that was pretty intentional, and I think that uh, the entire media team, you know, made that happen for a specific purpose. I think that you have to stay positive in times of in times of chaos. And I think that because there was nothing to say, and there really wasn't anything to say for so long, you just keep going. And if if you can, generate some excitement, right? Mm-hmm. And so what we tried to do was, it wasn't just business as usual. It was actually ramped up a notch, right? We were hiring. We were opening up a fan shop. We had season C deals. We had new offers coming out. And so you just have to... Um, you just have to create that perception out there mm-hmm. that uh, not only you're going concerned, but you're actually thriving as well. And we believe it. And so and customers started believing that as well. You saw it online, right? I think you would see it in the, in the NASL feeds that, you know, some, somebody would say, I think it was when we opened the fan shop was just right in the middle when everything, mm-hmm. all that discussion started happening and everything started to, when the, when, when the gap started, nobody knew what was going on. Yeah. And, you know, people online started commenting, so everything's going this way with the NASL and the FC is and FC is hiring and they're opening up a fan shop. What's going on? Yeah. And so we that we kind of clued into that right away. So we just kept that right. Mm-hmm. And, and the credits to James and, and Marcus on the on the media team, they were the ones who kept pushing that information out and, and keeping that steady constant of uh, of just being busy. Right. Mm-hmm. Well, I think no dead time. I, it helped that Tom Fath, the owner, co-owner, had the same. Agenda? I mean, it was the same agenda. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it was, never he, he, no. he wanted to keep going. He extended Colin Miller, mm-hmm. uh, and that, that was during the whole, mm-hmm. you know, league kerfuffle, kerfuffle good word. Uh, <laughs> but, but, no, Tom Fath had the same message to everybody. Look, we're, it's busy, we're, we're doing 
what we want to do to keep this NASL afloat, and, and that's what they did. I, I, don't, I think from a PR perspective, you, you kind of shoot yourself in the foot if you go dark. Oh, I agree. Even in I times agree. of chaos, right? Yeah. If you go dark, then you got to build back up again. I think you just have to use the momentum on the, the finish to a great season mm-hmm. and just keep going, keep going, keep going under the belief that you're going to get to where you need to be. Mm-hmm. You're going to play. And we always had that belief. Mm-hmm. Our owner kept that belief in us, right? Yeah. So we yeah, knew we were going to play. And it's just a matter of be prepared for any scenario. I think it, it helps tremendously when the GM and the owner are, are have that same thought process and can put that down to the staff members because, I mean, other organizations in the NASL didn't do that. We read about right. horrible things going on in, in front offices. But that didn't happen at FC Edmonton. And I think, like Jeff said, that was we were wait, not only waiting the FC Edmonton flag, it was the league flag that uh, yeah, we wanted sure. to keep that yeah. alive. This is a good league. It it's can a be league. a good league. It will yeah. be a good league. The quality of play will only get better. So, I mean, I'm and, glad and we're back in it. That's yeah. for sure. Uh, for sure. And, and since we are getting back into it, I know you've got some new programs and things started for season ticket holders or people that are coming in to buy new season's tickets. Um, what, are we, what are we looking at as far as uh, new programs and the loyalty programs that uh, could be coming into play here? Well, one of the things we learned last year is, is fans want to be engaged more throughout the season, right? Mm-hmm. So from a sports marketing perspective, we looked at some of the options out there. And, and one of the things that we're launching on March 1st, um, I'm going to say on March 1st, so our marketing team, that's the deadline. <laughs> <laughs> it's public now. But we're launching an app on, uh, on March 1st. Oh, that's awesome. So an app is only useful if you use it. Correct. And there, in the sports world, there are some great benchmarks of teams who use it to engage, who use it to push out information and connect with uh, with and with their guests and, and engage with and, and just add that fan experience wherever mm-hmm. they are. So they don't have to be online on Twitter or any one of our social media yeah. platforms to get information on the club. Anyways, there's an app coming out. Uh, you're going to be able to purchase tickets through the app. You're going to be able to... Um, uh, there's a fan, fan loyalty program where we're implementing mainly from uh, re- our retail partners. So Canadian Tire, you'll be able to you know, show people that you're a season ticket holder, which leads me into the, the next piece is uh, we have, we're moving to a one-pass system uh-huh. for season ticket holders. So season ticket holders won't get a stack of tickets. They'll get a plastic card. Oh, awesome. With a QR code. Yeah. All they have to do is flash the card when they go into the stadium. And uh, that, that seat, <coughs> excuse me, that seat will come out of inventory, and yeah. uh, that's their card. Awesome. And that's standard in, in the sports world in stadiums these days. Mm-hmm. And and uh, the loyalty uh, va- value to that is on the back of the cards will be uh, all of our retail partners, where you can flash your card and get a ten percent discount, like United Cycle. You'll be able to take your card and get ten percent off merchandise at United Cycle. I oh, see. That's very cool. You'll be able to do things that other uh, some of our other uh, partners mm-hmm. that we have on board as well. So. Those are big pieces, right? Those are huge. It's, it's a matter of actually just coming up to the standard of, of, um, a pro- of venue management. Exactly, right? mm-hmm. exactly. Well, that's fantastic. Uh, I know that uh, another aspect of things we were uh, looking towards, you were looking towards, was uh, an FC Edmonton sort of school, uh, soccer school type program. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I, yeah. I know between you and JP, I think you've been working something like that out. No, this is mostly on, uh, on Jay. Oh, is it? <laughs> okay, fair so, enough. Uh, for good or ill. <laughs> so, we, so let us yeah, know about yeah, this. So, yeah. So, as yeah. you know, through you know through spring of last year into the fall, we did a whole boatload of stuff in the community. You got to get in the community. You have to go where the fans are. And one of the areas that we realized we really weren't hitting is uh, is the schools. And the reason why schools are important to sports organizations is because that next generation of fans go there. There's 200-ish, 1,000 students, just over 300,000 students actually, mm-hmm. in the Edmonton, in the greater Edmonton area. I know that because of a previous career. Yeah. And uh, so the question is, how do you reach those fans? How do you get the brand in front of those kids? How do you introduce them to professional soccer? How do you introduce them to the skills and drills that are part of professional soccer? Mm-hmm. And then how can you link those skills and drills actually to the education curriculum. Yeah. Um, so there's a couple of us in the office who have experience of that and we've been in touch with a couple of the school districts and they're they're open and they're eager to bring us in. So we're going to pilot um, what we're calling the FC Edmonton Soccer School in K-9 classes throughout the spring and we're going to see what we learn from it and again we're going to just get the brand into the schools, get things home for the parents, but more importantly introduce the next generation to 
the FC Edmonton brand. Oh, see, and, that's great. Yeah, and, and by, by doing that, we actually fill the surface for teachers because we come in with a physical education program that is linked to the Alberta education curriculum, and we know how to do that. Mm-hmm. You know, we give phys ed teachers an opportunity to have an in-school field trip. That's yeah. really what this is, yeah. right? Yeah. So guys like Jeff will be coming in with all of his experience. We have some great people on staff who will come in. Um, so it's in, it's in, it's beyond early stages now. We're we're at the teachers' conventions coming up, and uh, so I'm I'm pretty excited about it. The owner is excited about it as well. We're just going to pilot it. We're going to launch it. We're going to see what we learn and tweak it and roll it out full time next year. Oh, that's awesome! Yeah. That's, that's it's, great. Um, yeah, it's it's a great program. And in the little bit that I've talked to Jay about this and contributed, which has been quite minor, that's why I said what I said okay, at the beginning. Enough, this really enough. is the brainchild of Jay. And and I'm sorry, I want to say her name, Jay, in the office, and I, I forget. Kathy. Kathy, thank you. And and Kathy. He's been a, a big part of this in creating the curriculum and, and matching what we can do to the to the Alberta curriculum, mm-hmm. and that's important because it, I mean, obviously, in my teaching role itself, and one thing that you see when you teach is is how uh, physical education has changed, mm-hmm. and for all the wrong reasons in schools, and we know that that's it's missing. It's not like when we used to do it; you no longer get your um, just, you know the award of excellence. Did you ever get? Oh, yeah, yeah, I remember the awards <laughs> of excellence. I never quite got that. Yeah, yeah it was, well, there's bronze as well, D. Yeah, I got yeah. the participation back. Yeah. yeah, I got that's, that's what I got. <laughs> but um, but those days are gone, and so this is a way to get us into the schools as well, and maybe introduce physical literacy with a soccer ball, and uh, bring that in, especially when you're with young kids. If we can get them active and and using a ball at the same time, where the ball just lends itself to some physical literacy movements and the ABCs. You know, mm-hmm. uh, agility, coordination, and balance. Yeah. I guess that's the ACBs. <laughs> um, then, yeah. um, but you know what? It's it's not only going to help uh, what we do. It's going to help our sport in general as well by by introducing our sport to to younger audience. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's going to help the schools, like Jay said. It's going to help these teachers that can bring us in um, to to excite these kids for a day. And you know, I think this is something that uh, I'm excited about when when Jay talked to me about this because I, I think it's really a way to get us into the schools and, and having a bit of fun with it. Yeah. The, the yeah. other piece that I think this speaks uh, this falls heavily aligned with is like the, the third pillar in in what we're, what, and um, kind of the the three pieces that we wanted to implement this year which was brand awareness community engagement but above all those is the advocacy piece the more we can introduce young people to the sport mm-hmm. to the game um, everybody benefits Edmonton minor soccer benefits the community benefits you know we just have to keep repeating the mantra that more kids are kept healthy and fit and off the streets yeah for soccer sure. than football and hockey combined ah, that's, right? uh, which is great that's so right. we just have to keep doing that yeah um, we're, we're gonna have to take a short break here in, in a minute we are live on Facebook Facebook right now, and I'm happy if anybody out there has some questions for us in regards to some of the topics we've talked about, uh, some of the future of the NASL, future of uh, FC Edmonton players that are coming in. That would be great. One more thing for Jay, though. I understand that uh, you can now get your tickets on the Apple Wallet sort of thing? How does that work? What was that? So Apple Wallet gives you the ability to buy tickets. You store them on your wallet. You scan that coming in. And so we're able to do that now through... uh, through Apple Wallet as well, so your tickets will be available. Oh, that's awesome! Yeah, I, I love the. I love when you get to use technology. Not that I use that often, or you yeah. know, I'm just throwing it out there. I'm just pretending that I that's know. That's a paperweight you have in your pocket. <laughs> yeah, I'm just going to grab my drink. You have your drink little. right now. I want to thank the people for tuning in on uh, Facebook uh, who've been listening and uh, joined Rabbit Radio. Let us know if you if you want to see more of this and if you want us to extend the length of time that we actually are live to Facebook. So. Um, we'll continue on here uh, after a little break. This is Rabbit Radio, live from the sports uh, first-round sports restaurant in downtown Edmonton. And, uh, hey, we'll be right back. You're listening to Rabbit Radio, the official podcast of FC Edmonton. And we're back live, Rabbit Radio here at the First Round Sports Restaurant in downtown Edmonton. Having a lot of fun here. In fact, we've taken almost 30 minutes before we've gotten back to you folks between our live performance and this one because of the conversation. It's been sweet and it's been fun. Should have recorded all that. I I am. You know what I'm going to say right now? I think it's awesome. Oh. <laughs> I, just, I just thought I'd throw it out there. Um, what a swell guy. <laughs> what a swell guy. It must be awesome. Um, so when we left, we had uh, talked about going to talk about the USSF and its decision on allowing the NASL to remain a provisional Division II status. Uh, but they've also thrown out a provisional status to the USL. 
uh, as a Division Two. So now there's two Division Two uh, leagues in North America. Um, as everyone could see on Twitter, that there was a bit of kerfuffle going on between all the teams in the NASL, uh, the NSL itself, and, and just uh, wondering whether it was going to happen or not happen. Rumors out there uh, abounded about uh, the league uh, falling apart, which uh, I don't think it ever really did. I think it just needed a bit of restructuring and, um, and, and a little bit of help along the way. And, and the help came in the form of Tom Fath, I think, as far as... Uh, making sure that everyone stuck to their guns and stuck around the league. What do you think? I think that it's important that everybody out there understands that we knew nothing more than what the fans do in this process. And all we heard from our owner the whole time was, everything's fine, keep doing what you're doing, and everything will be great. We're going to have a league next year. Mm -hmm. He told us that over and over and over again. Yeah, from day one. I mean, I was calling into conference calls from overseas, and that's what the message was each time. So um, we weren't holding anything back from our fans. No. We wouldn't. Uh, we didn't know anything. And, and that was Tom and the, uh, and the uh, other owners who got together, the other seven owners who got together and figured this out. Less than seven owners because um, the league is, is, uh, is running Jacksonville. For a short time. At, for, for a short, short period time. And then time, they yeah. had to find uh, an owner, owner in, the in New York. So, honestly, it was a group of five, six guys yeah. who kept this thing going, and Tom Fath was a major player in that. Oh, yeah. yeah. You know, Go ahead. I was just going to say, and I'm just going to jump on the um, the whole Tom Fath and Dave Fath kind of bandwagon at the moment, and and I'm biased because I've been, this has been my sixth year at FC Edmonton, oh. employed by this club, so uh-huh. I'm definitely biased, but you know, we talked so long, we've when I was coaching club soccer and, and major MSL and w- with Kevin and you know when I, I've been involved in the game a long time in Edmonton, and the one thing we always said was the need to have professional football in this country so that kids at the youth clubs had something to aspire to, and Tom Fath has come along and Dave Fath and, and they've given us that. Yeah, for, you for know, sure. So I really hope the people in Edmonton that that love this game recognize and appreciate what he's done to keep a professional team in the city. And, and there's so many pieces that play into player development. Certainly, you know, I think that, that the FC Edmonton Academy has been beneficial to young players, not only for promoting to our first team, but to getting them to places like the White Caps and to their full residency program, uh, getting a couple of kids overseas, the university scholarships. But I also want to acknowledge that the clubs have also played a major role in this, whether it's been Juventus, uh, Inter, Southwest. Um, all the clubs have had a part to play, Victoria. They've all had a part to play. Yeah. I'm going to miss a couple here. My apologies if you're listening. I've not said your club name, but you know that that I believe that all the clubs have played a part. So we're all in it together and then at what point can we all appreciate what Tom and Dave are giving to this city mm-hmm. and come out here and, and support not just FC Edmonton and the players in professional football because it is a high quality level of football for sure um, but, but support two men that have given a ton to this city and not just on the male side of the game but two men that also heavily fund the female Rex program. Oh, for sure. So there, there's my plug for, for FC Edmonton and you know, maybe I'll step off my my little kind of hot sawhorse, wherever I step on soapbox. Yeah. Soapbox, yeah. But, but, but I mean, you know. continuing on that that, that pathway of of, uh, of how things went while there was a bit of turmoil going on was Jay Ball, the general manager, was just on our last segment talking about how they moved just moved forward as if it was. Uh, you know, uh, everything you know going along smoothly. There were no issues. Uh, new hirings, um, season ticket sales, opening up the uh, fan shop in the South Center. Uh, unbelievable, mm-hmm. unbelievable the way you could just continue on like that, especially when you would hear the turmoil that was going on mm-hmm. um, on, the, on the chatter on the on, on the Twitterverse. Now, as we always say, there's where there's you know where there's flames or fuel there's fire or smoke uh, there's fire there you guys you are go. terrible with your thought process <laughs> <laughs> it's just that the smoke thing uh, i just wasn't thinking about yeah. you know my, my apologies <laughs> and i'm losing <laughs> it you guys are handing around visa cards <laughs> no, listen, like they're going out of listen, style here. what's listen, going on there's something you mentioned jay there's something that i wish we had on air that he said uh because i mean we, we all read twitter we all read what's coming out in the messaging that's come out yeah. uh that this is a one-year provisional sanctioning mm-hmm. so 2018 is a different year what 
needs to happen now is across the league, not just in Edmonton. And this is, I'm not saying this so that we get everybody rah, 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 let's go fill Tom Fast Pockets because look at our stadium. We've got less than 5,000 seats. Trust me, he's not making a lot of money off ticket yeah. sales. Right. But what we need across the league are butts and seats. That's yeah. the most important thing to make sure. this thing sustainable. So, um, here you go, fans. And, they've, and, and, you know, FC Edmonton fans, like Jay said, are coming out. You know, yeah. I think they're, they're, I don't want to say the number because he didn't. Maybe it's a top secret number. But um, we've sold more season tickets than we ever have in the past. And this season started the way it That's has. Right. Everybody knows. In turn one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And now the news is starting to come out that we're signing players. And we're going to announce training camp pretty mm-hmm. soon. We're going to announce the schedule pretty soon. That's only going to drive more ticket sales. And it's only going to show that FC Edmonton fans are top notch. And, and they're going to help keep this league afloat. Yeah. You know when the question came up about the provisional status for both USL and NASL as well, you know, for me personally, it's it's irrelevant. It's honestly irrelevant if, if we are Div 2 and USL is Div 2 because there's no promotion relegation. True. So if USL wants to be Division 2 and we're Division 2, we're different We're different models. D- definitely you know, different business yeah, models. Yeah, so 100% different. And so they can do things their way and, and wish them the best, and we'll do things our way, and, and hopefully they'll wish us the best. But it's almost irrelevant that we're both Division 2 leagues because we are so different in the way that we're made up. And, and our game is, is the world game as far as governance goes, and it's a model that I think um, people that follow the game appreciate as well, mm-hmm. where these are independent teams and, and we can do things without you know uh being told what to do and whatnot so yeah. there's benefits to that but um where was i go with that comment as far as um as far as how it plays out where we end up i mean i think we'll keep our status as well they're, they're talking to four teams at the moment that's that's on twitter that's pretty open the league's been very open about san diego and and orange county and chicago and detroit so and those are strong ownership groups yeah. as well that they've said so so we think we're in a good position uh, the competition factor, because some people have said they brought up that a couple of years ago, USL really, you know, they, they went 7-1, I think, against uh, NASL teams in the in the Open Cup. Cup. Yeah. yeah. And then last year, I think we won a few more. But on, on any given day, anyone can beat anybody. And, and it's the same thing with us yeah. playing against MLS teams. Because well, we beat Montreal. It, and we've beaten Vancouver. And Montreal, you know, so we beat Montreal. Montreal played, just played in the semifinal against TFC. But we, so we know we can beat an MLS team on any given day as of course. well. So that argument is irrelevant. But the overall quality of play in the NASL, I, personally, I believe it's, you know, I think it's a superior quality as is, is well. Yeah, so. no, I think you don't have to... Uh try and uh, change anybody's minds here. We all feel the same way about the, the league and its and its qualities. Um, one of the things that I was thinking we could uh, talk about, I don't know if we want to bring it up or not, but uh, there's been a change as far as the head of the commissioner uh, of the NASL, and I guess it was an amicable uh, decision to part ways. Yeah. Um, and now they have an interim gentleman who's in play. And it sounds like uh, all the owners have come together and made a bit of a shift in, in the thought process. And, I, I, and I'm just trying to read between the lines and figure out whether the previous commissioner's thoughts were a little less of what the owners were thinking originally, uh, trying to be that standalone league and compete with the MLS. Because uh, it sounds like the thought process has changed, uh, at least from what I'm reading. Um, in regards to how the NASL is going to move forward and be a little bit more open with working with the other leagues. Um, what are your guys' thoughts? Uh, or have I, you heard anything of yourselves that I you, don't, you know? I've seen headlines on stories that I've I've, I've tried to stay away from 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 what's going on on Twitter and what's going on on yeah, Facebook and all these things because throughout this whole process it was wrong. Yeah, um, yeah true. But, but at the end of the day, um, uh, Rishi Sigal is the is the guy in charge yeah. now in the interim, anyways. That's while right. they while they try and find another commissioner, I think his his um, mandate should be let's keep it simple. Yeah. Let's put a product out there that pe- people can be proud of. Let's dumb it down. Let's let's not go after you know we want to compete with MLS, which they've taken that off the table now. Yeah. Let's let's acknowledge that maybe we 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 aren't the product that's going to make it on CBS Sports, you know, every every night. Um, let, let's put let's focus on making sure that each club is sustainable and can carry on. And that's then right. once we've shown that, sponsors will come, broadcasters will come. Um, you just have to make sure your ducks are all in a row before these big 
big companies want to throw money at you. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I think that's what Rishi wants to do in the league office. I hope so, anyway. I, th- I, think, I, think, a, I think across the league, it's the mentality this year is it's been pretty like abrasive and going to to almost try to like pick fights to try to like rile people up and get people to support it but at the point where MLS is and where NASL is at the moment it just I think the the general consensus would, like Andreas said like to focus on the league itself let's not go outside and try to fight an MLS when that's not what the league's about right now and that's not what the league needs so I think it's oh. uh yeah, just uh, that. That was Jimmy, everybody. Yeah, I was. Just, I was yeah. just gonna. I was just about to say that. You know, James. I, I apologize. That was James Nielsen, our uh, our media guru here at the not club. Kermit the Frog. It yeah, was, producer uh, was yeah, yeah. yeah, producer of our program, and in particular, it's only the goes live Kermit as I keep talking. <laughs> Jay uh, Jay was in for the first segment, obviously, and then uh, had to had some family and um, engagements that he had to attend to. So uh, happy that James is here and he can fill in. So uh, continue the banter with us, James. What are what are folks on online say honestly, James? Because I've been staying away from it. Um, what 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 is the consensus throughout the the fan base? Are they excited for the start of the league? Yeah, I hope so. I mean, people are excited now that things are are getting going, and we've been brought up a couple of times. But like how uh, just how we were operating during the off season and uh, the new hires and stuff, and people are picking up on that that we we're just kind of going about our business. And I think that said more about. Uh, us as a as an as a organization, club. then yeah. going out and making a statement. Mm-hmm. I don't think we ever put out a statement as some of the other clubs said That's that right. to update people. We just kept going about with how things are, and now people are uh, we're getting a lot of signing questions. People want to know what what players are coming back and uh, uh, what players we're bringing in and stuff. So it seems like the buzz is there. And uh, as Andreas also said, there's uh, the season tickets have been really healthy in the off season. So that's a it's boding well, is that right? Yeah, yeah, sources. that's right. It he had bodes a lot of information. Well. Sources. sources. I want to be sources so badly. Sources. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, there's a couple. Of, I think with, uh, with with Bill Peterson, and that I think anytime you have an organization that gets to the point that we were at, I think there's going to be change at the top. Either so yeah. whatever they want to call it, whether it's major, but there's going to be change at the top, and that's what happened in our league. And uh, so now we move forward with with with, a temp- with Rishi temporarily, and then. You know they'll they'll bring in the right person, but the, the notion that the days of us trying to compete with MLS or want to be on another Division One, I, I, I think, but sounds but those are over. I think you've mentioned that, but also I mean, look at the size of this when you combine us in the states and the size of the, the, the soccer playing population, the size of the population, uh, the geographical size, um, we're big enough to have several leagues. I agree. So we don't need to be in competition with each other. You know, the whole us and USL thing, they're going to talk about their brand being stronger and we'll talk about our brand being stronger. And that's just what it is. But you you need to promote your own brand, and that's what we do. But we can coexist. And even we can coexist in the same cities. When you look at Chicago, the the MLS franchise is well out of the uh, it's it's in the suburbs, mm-hmm. and you so you can put a, an NASL it's franchise downtown. Downtown, they got yeah. two baseball teams. That's right. So yeah. exactly, that's a great point, Dre. Great point. So yeah, you, we don't need to be in competition uh, to survive and, and to succeed. We we just need to be a, a properly run organization, which we're we're headed to. So I think yeah. Rishi was mentioning that on there's been they've been doing a lot of the PR since the league's announced that they're going to have a season. And I think it was with uh, ESPN FC that Rishi was mentioning something like that, where uh, there's there's not a lack of uh, cities where organizations can still go. That's soccer's not at a tipping point in North America by any stretch. So I think that's what they're exploring, and there seems to be a, a bunch of options, and they seem to be taking their due diligence to make sure they can make some smarter decisions. Yeah, I don't I mean, know if that's the right my, word, but some calculated decisions about where they want to go next. Mm-hmm. My only concern there is this this whole provisioning sanctioning, though. Like, I mean, how much does that scare away a potential owner from from coming into the league? I mean, but and it's the same case for the USL. I'm not. It's not unique for the NASL. Here, I, I think it really depends on why you want to buy a franchise in the first place. I mean, there's got to be a. If you don't have a love for the sport and you're strictly in it for money, I think in any professional game, regardless. Go to the NFL. Well, I, I still think that, but I still think there's there's druthers with with owning an NFL team as well. I mean, there's lots of money to well, be had. Billion-dollar broadcasting deals per team. Well, I mean, that, 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 that definitely helps. But all I'm saying 
is that there's always going to be a problem with owning a pro sports team. There's always that risk that you're not going to have as much success as you think you're going to have. So whether somebody wants to buy into a league or not, I mean, the guys that buy into the league should have a love of the game to start with. I mean, if you don't... Or, or develop one or develop, uh, exactly, <laughs> over or, the seven years. Exactly. <laughs> or, or at least have a game plan. Um, you know, Tom and Dave Fath, for example, it was about community. It wasn't necessarily about strictly the sport, but it was about giving something back to the community, something they really believed in and wanted to do. And what a great sport to choose... To, to give back, such a, a world game, to, to give back to your community. So I think it's just up to, you know, whatever ownership groups that want to buy in, they've just got to have a, a real positive. They can't just go, mm, I'd like to own a team. Yeah, yeah just, no, just, it it's got to be more than that. There right. has There's to be, be more some than passion that. behind it. For sure. If these eight teams, if the eight teams in the league right now are stable throughout the year, and, um, and then the four that are pretty strongly favored to join our league, um, that gives us 12 for next year, and that, that meets the requirements of a Division Two sanctioning. And it's coast so to coast. So we would have that, and, and we also touch the time zone. So so as long as that, as that happens, like we all predict it will, then we'll be okay. We'll be a Division Two. We'll be a Division Two. Yeah. But so, even if you don't get Division Two sanctioning, would the NS, NESL be okay with 11 teams and a Division Three sanctioning? Yeah, I guess that's a question for the individual owners, but it's a, it's a good question. Yeah. Again, when you don't have promotion relegation, does it matter? It doesn't. You look at like exactly. FC Cincinnati. Yeah, it's, it's an arbitrary numbers, and they're US, or they're Division Three last season. Look like at yeah. the numbers they were pulling in. Twenty thousand. Yeah. So, like, what is that? If you put a good product really out there, people will come. That's it. Um, yeah, we just hope they come in droves this this year. I mean, <laughs> Speaking of Cincinnati, a couple of weeks back, they they actually put something on Facebook. And they were very proud. They had just surpassed 9,000 yeah. seasons tickets sold for this That's year. What, and what makes Cincinnati different from Edmonton? This, Cincinnati is not That's a, a one-year-old franchise. For I know. One-year-old. They have, they one have year old. less Nesman. Well, <laughs> that does set them yeah. apart from oh, there you go. the City of Champions, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> they did have WKRP. Yeah. WKRP in Cincinnati. Yeah. No, no, it's a good shout, JP. But do they have soccer fans? And apparently they do. And what makes them different? I mean, Cincinnati, from what I know of Cincinnati, is a working class kind of kind of city, blue yeah. collar kind of. I don't of think city. they have any yeah. other pro sport. Uh, <laughs> well, nothing to write home about. That's I mean, my point. yeah, the <laughs> yeah. Bengals weren't that exactly. great. They're well, aren't the Reds okay? Yeah, the Reds are all right, aren't they? Cincinnati Reds. Oh, I didn't know they're still around. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It is baseball. It is baseball. Uh, listen, we're going to take a quick break here. Uh, when we come back, we're going to uh, touch base a little bit on the MLS draft and uh, players. Former FC Edmonton player Shamit Shom. We'll talk a little bit about him and his adventures in the. Uh, uh, MLS draft and where he's up to or what he's up to and where he's going. All right, we'll have all of that in a moment. Uh, we'll come right back here. This is uh, Rapid Radio, the official podcast of FC Edmonton, live from the first round sports restaurant in downtown Edmonton. That's awesome. That is awesome. That is awesome. <laughs> You're listening to Rapid Radio, the official podcast of FC Edmonton. And we're back, Rabbit Radio, the official podcast of FC Edmonton, live for the first round sports restaurant in downtown Edmonton. This is Rabbit Radio episode 17, which coincides with the year 2017. It is our first show of the new year. That's what I was trying to say That's earlier. Quite good. And it didn't come out quite the way I wanted it. And we've started this up without Andreas in the room. So we're going to drink his beer while he's out of the room, uh, doing manly things in some corner of <laughs> this restaurant. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, we were uh, going to come back and we were going to talk a little bit about the MLS draft. <laughs> Go ahead. You were about to say something, JP. You were going to slaughter gonna, me? No, I was going to insert an edit point. Oh, okay. I, I, well, we can do that, I, I suppose. So, MLS draft, Shamit Shom. Mm-hmm. So, in, during the offseason, Shamit uh, and an agent came, or his agent, mm-hmm. came to the club with... Uh, Oh, with what was an offer from the MLS? Yeah. I'll let yeah. you explain it to me because you knew a little bit. My, I, I sort of heard about it, but I didn't, yeah. didn't quite understand how it all came about originally. So, I mean, a while ago, a long time ago, um, MLS started the uh, Generation Adidas program, which was for elite athletes that they wanted to keep in the States and, and try to encourage these players to play in the MLS and maybe not go overseas. So we've had Canadians get the Generation Adidas contract before. Mm-hmm. And, um, but Shamit Shom, they start this new project now with Canada uh, with the CSA and MLS, 
now allows uh, a generation Adidas contract, a generation, a, Can- a generation Adidas Canada contract. Yes. Right. Now, what that gives players, the hey, difference in that, um, <laughs> the difference in that <laughs> contract is that these players are now domestics anywhere in North America. So, so actually, that alone, uh, being being a domestic player in the states for Shamit is worth as much as a contract is. So, fantastic. And so he's been given that, the first one signing for it. Uh, and the nice deal, or the nice, I, I guess, the benefits FC Edmonton, is that this is a deal that uh, between us and the MLS. This is not by team. The MLS actually has purchased a contract for Shemit. They own the contract for Shemit. So wherever he goes, that contract is covered by the MLS, not by that team. So it doesn't count against the team's salary oh, cap. So that's great. Which makes him even more of, of an asset. Yeah. So, yeah, it's just it's a good scenario. So he was, um, uh, Shemit was identified as, as one of the top 19-year-old players in North America. Um, obviously, mm-hmm. you know, and that's, and again, that's, um, I'm making that assumption based on the fact that he was the only one of two Canadians offered this contract. Yeah, for sure. So they think pretty highly of young Schmidt as we do. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, and so he's, he's gone down and he, they put him in the combine. Uh, so all the coaches could see him for the first time. And, um, and then the rest is history. Yeah, I understand he wasn't on the best of the teams down at the combine, but actually no. showed very well for, uh, for, yeah. for, the, for where they had him playing. And so he was on Team Chaos, and it was a, it was a, a pretty apt name for his team because they were a nightmare mm-hmm. to watch. It was actually hard to watch the combine. I watched the first game. And the tough thing for a pair like Shemit, and I mean, number one, he's 19 years old, yeah. and he still has a lot of uh, physical maturing to go. You know, before he, he made, before he matches up with these 22-year-olds coming out of a, of an NCAA program, mm-hmm. and, and we know that strength and conditioning is a large part of the NCAA programs, and you see it. So many of our athletes that have gone down to the states and have come home, they're they're different people when they come home. They're huge. Yeah. You know, muscle-wise. Mm-hmm. Even you look at Thomas Shores in his back. Now he's he's just he a stronger, bigger size. kid now. After one year as a freshman down there, uh, James Madison. So so we know what the programs are like, and and so for Schmidt to go there as a 19-year-old, and also Schmidt's strength is a link-up player. He he links up the back line to the forward line. That's what he does. He does it very well. He receives the ball. He plays it. His movement off the ball to get in positions where he always seems to be open. He finds channels. He finds pockets between players. Gets the pass again. Keeps the ball moving. That's his strength. But I'm not sure that that's a strength that's going to highlight itself at um, an MLS combine. Mm -hmm. Because the individual players who are big, strong, Fast, physical, one v one type players. They're gonna, they're gonna shine. Yeah. You know, and and a player like that might get lost in a team that trained thirty minutes together. He doesn't know his teammates, mm-hmm. and he, and you expect a player to be a link up player for for a group of eleven that don't know each other, and I, and also a young Canadian kid, nineteen. Now, sorry, for me, well, go ahead if you want. We're gonna talk Sham a little oh, bit. Yeah, I was gonna change yeah, No, okay, I just ahead. wanted to know. Uh, do you think? I mean, your opinions on this, guys? Do you think that that was the reason why? Because for me, a Vancouver would have been a better foot, uh, fit for the kid. We never uh, actually talked about where he, where he ended up. Oh, uh, we didn't. No, oh, not yet. Not, no, no, it's fine. It's fine. Yeah, yeah. In Montreal yeah. In, in the second round. Exactly. So I thought he would have gone earlier yeah. and to Vancouver. And that's yeah. where that's where my question I was going to lead into was, uh, what do you think these MLS scouts and coaches are actually looking for? Because if they had seen game tape of him playing in the NASL, they would have seen uh, a player that probably has way more game sense than a, maybe a good portion of the players that were in that combine. Yeah, it's about 1,700 minutes last year of um, Division Two time. Uh, 26 starts, I believe it was. Was it 26 starts? 26, yeah. At least in 26 yeah, games. And, and then still and coming off the bench level, that's a 19, That's an 18-year-old and yeah. then a 19-year-old at, at, the end of his, mm-hmm. at the end of our season um, versus guys that have... NCAA experience, yeah, you know. So, but but I think what you look at there, the team said needs to fill. Yeah, and at 19 years old, is Shimi going to step into an MLS lineup and be a link-up player as a 19-year-old? Fair enough. Probably not. If you need a right back that can play today, you're probably taking a 22-year-old NCAA grad. So yeah, and I would argue that Montreal has more time to develop a player than in the midfield than Vancouver does right now. They need players who can do it right now. Yeah, you know when you look at the Montreal situation for Schmid, they've got some very good central midfield players. One one of our own Canadian players, Patrice Bernier, that will be an absolute role model to Mm Schmid. So there's a benefit there, I think, for young Schmid, and whether or not he he makes the final squad, uh, if they if they sent him on loan to Ottawa, I don't know. I mean that'll be interesting for us in the MI. Do they have to loan him out to Ottawa, or do they? 
affiliate him to so Ottawa. Well, I mean, they would loan him. That's something I don't, did we touch yeah. on that earlier about the Montreal now having sort of the affiliation with Ottawa as being their USL sort of Yeah. We haven't touched on it, but that's, yeah. So that's yeah. that's the it's deal. Pretty, that's yeah. that's pretty well from what I understand and what we understand. That's uh, it's gone on as Montreal is now affiliated with Ottawa mm-hmm. as being their USL team. I think Shami when he uh, I forget which interview he was talking about, but he recognized the skill and uh, the talent that midfield in Montreal as well, and uh, took it in stride and said there's a lot that he can learn and stuff. So yeah. just his positive attitude overall. But yeah, he was looking forward to to being able to. Definitely pick up some stuff from the guys that were there. Mm-hmm. And he's a kid, right? He's a kid. Like he's got a couple of years to then make it to the MLS, and it, nobody would yeah. bat an eye if a 22-year-old Shamit is a rookie in the MLS. That's right. No, that for sure. Good. For yeah, sure. That's, that's good. right. Yeah. But compare Shamit to like a Kyle Lahren. Physically, Kyle Lahren was able to step in the MLS and, and, and succeed in year one. But physically, they're different players. Yeah. They're, they're, dif- they're different athletes at the moment. And I mean, I don't have to. When I make a statement about Shmeet, like I'll, I'll make a statement that at this moment, Shmeet is extremely fantastic potential. And, and I don't say it that way because uh, everyone knows my love for Shmeet. So, but when I say that, at 19 years old, at, at this point, he's still potential. And can Shmeet reach the highest levels of the game? We think so. We for sure think so. But he's got to prove it now in the MLS. And this will be a different challenge for him when he gets the MLS. It'll be a different challenge for him to get minutes in Montreal Impact's midfield. Um, it'll be a big challenge as a 19-year-old to play against players of European experience. Mm. So, yeah, this is going to be a challenge for the kid, but I think every one of us here, certainly in this podcast, think that he's up for it. He's, if there's any kid who would be up for it, it would be Shamit. Yeah. yeah, I think it was a great choice having uh, the Adidas generation people come to Shamit and uh, and have him become part of it. I, 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 he's just such a fantastic kid, captain of the under-20 national team as well yeah um definitely someone who's going to be worth their weight in gold in a few years time in the mls yeah, i hate to lose them hate to yeah lose them. for sure yeah we do hate to lose them but you know again for the kids growth i think we've said this before on this podcast that you know division two clubs throughout the world develop and sell on players and uh, that's how many division two clubs in this world survive uh, financially, and, and Shemit's the first one we've done that with, mm-hmm. and, and hopefully we do that for many, many more. Uh, you know, in the future, hopefully this now just opens a door for maybe maybe the MLS looks at FC Edmonton a bit differently, and, and the players in our academy. Maybe we become uh, a development center for future um, generation Adidas contracts because that opens up the entire MLS to our players. Right now, mm-hmm. we send a lot of players to Vancouver Whitecaps, uh, and it's a good relationship. Mm-hmm. Um, this this contract opens up Shemit now to every MLS team, not just one. Mm. So the odds of him actually making a team or playing are, are that much greater. Yeah, and I think it's a it's a catalyst for MLS teams to start looking at the NASL as uh, a very good support league for uh, players that they might be looking for in the in, in the long run and in, in, in the future. Oh, for sure. Well, that's awesome. Um, <laughs> I said that's awesome again, didn't I? Uh, for you out there listening who thinks I'm swell, you're right. I am. Um, we're going to touch base a little bit on our academy and sort of what things are going on in the academy. I think next week uh, during our broadcast, we're actually going to bring in uh, one of our academy members mm-hmm. uh, and uh, one of the parents of our academy members to have a quick chat about uh, their thoughts on how things have gone with their uh, their time within our academy. Um, the player we're looking at bringing in is actually from Europe originally. Um, so we'll have a little bit of a chat in, in amongst the, him and his uh, father in regards to yeah, the we've, um, things, uh, how they went for him as a youth player in, we've not, in England. We've not discussed that either. When, when I was told we're bringing in uh, Rory and his dad, I, I wasn't, I'm not sure I was privy to that knowledge because they're from Manchester. And they both support United. <laughs> so they would have been my first choice. And I hope you're listening right now, yes. Mary. <laughs> really from Manchester. I had no idea. Yeah, they from were Manchester. from Northern Ireland yeah. for some reason. Oh, yeah, yeah but long. Colette Burke, who who I like much better than Barry Burke, <laughs> yeah. uh, is uh, a city supporter. So we've got okay. no animosity. Okay. Well, that must make for some barn burners in the, uh, on the Saturday mornings, and in particular when City takes on United. Yeah, uh, that must make for some uh, very interesting conversations. Mm-hmm. Um, any little tidbits you'd like to add, or do you want to? Do we want to talk a little bit about the academy and then the, what's um, going on within it? You know, or? we can mention a little bit what's happening. I guess we, we just had four players away again on trial with the Whitecaps. Uh, one of those young players is, is going to stick, and he's going to join their full residency program. Oh, that's that's in great. semester two. 
So, you know what, again, it's, uh, but it's an opportunity for a young kid uh, to now get out of their comfort zone, to leave home, uh, to experience what it's like to be in a professional academy somewhere else, uh, and to learn new things and, and move on. So, you know, we've talked about the benefits of the U.S. Development League for young players, mm-hmm. and that is, a, that is a benefit, and he'll get that experience. So, yeah, it, it's, uh, you know, it's good and bad for yeah. us, honestly. It's good and bad for us, and we know that. But uh, at the end of the day, we're still trying to develop players and push them to their highest levels. Mm-hmm. And it's a relationship that at the moment is working for, for both sides, and uh, we'll continue with this. But So that that's a positive. Yeah. Um, what else is happening? We've got uh, a big positive we talked about in the year is coming up. Our O2s will go to the CSA Identification Camp as our own academy. Uh, see, that's, uh, that's a great thing. I'm so fantastic. happy that that's happened. Yeah, it's important. You know, again, we've Tom and Dave have funded, have put a lot of money into this academy to develop to where it's at now. And uh, now to be recognized by the CSA that we are fully funded, we are a professional academy, we are developing players, and now every one of our O2s, not just one or two or three, get the opportunity to compete and be tested against the best in the country. Yeah. So that's vital for our program as well. And for these young players, we've got the Umbro Showcase coming up in Toronto. We've got a Vancouver camp coming up where, where they'll they'll play against the Whitecaps Academy. They'll, they'll watch Vancouver versus LA Galaxy mm-hmm. as well. So another good experience, but lots happening. Yeah. One, one thing I wanted to touch on too was uh, some of the one of the things that you bring to the academy as the technical director is a game model and uh, how we want to train the players and we bring in periodization into the whole thing and I was lucky enough to actually um, go to the NSCAA convention in in Los Angeles recently Uh, and by the way for anybody out there who's listening who's a coach you have to take in one of these conventions at some at some point in your in your coaching career, uh, not only for networking purposes, but for the sessions that you see, for the information that you gather from the lectures. It's a fantastic place to go just to really immerse yourself into the world of soccer and coaching. Um, next year's I think is in Philadelphia, but I think the point I was I was going to say was that I, I I was lucky enough to see a session. By Raymond Varian, or uh, Dutch coach who is mm-hmm. fantastic, um, really comes across as your typical Dutch coach. Yeah, but I'm telling you, the information and, and just watching how we set up a session and ran the session mm-hmm. was phenomenal. Yeah. And and I and I remember talking to you about it uh, right after I saw the session. I was texting you right away to say what I thought and and. How fantastic this was, and then just to obviously getting a better idea of, of what we're doing within the club right. based on uh, this information. So, I, I think I just wanted to—I don't know—I just wanted to stress how good I think the academy's running right now. What are you shaking your head for? <laughs> Watching basketball. Oh, I see. Dre's giving me a hard yeah. time. I think my point no, was that I was just just a correlation between what I saw in Los yeah. Angeles as to what we're doing on the field as an academy it was just fantastic. Yeah, and uh, and I mean it's important because it's um, Raymond Varian. Really, we've used his model that was introduced to our academy thanks to Harry Sinkelov and Hans Schreiber. I mean, Harry was huge on periodization and was huge and even bigger on Varian's six-week football fitness. You remember that stuff, Jay? Right? Yeah. You remember the happy we birthday, would look at Harry? It. By the way, <laughs> is it his birthday today? It was yesterday. Ah, oh, happy birthday, Harry! Um, and we have you ever been congratulated yet on air? Oh, that's right. So, yeah, so publicly, oh, yeah, oh, congratulations, Jay. I mean, insert a sound effect. Yeah, it's, I know yeah. you do, right? But, yeah, yeah, Dre, Dre's a dad. Yeah, Dre, Dre's a dad. So publicly, congratulations. I mean, Thank you so much. Yeah. I'll be half asleep for every single yeah. episode from and, here on. How did, you, how, did you, um, how did you come up with the name Anfield, anyhow? <laughs> Not even close. I know. Okay, it's Gunner. It's, it's Gunner. And how is Gunner? He's doing great. Happy, healthy. Uh, his mom's at home taking care of him while I'm off doing this. Has he got his yeah. first uh, Arsenal tattoo yet? <laughs> it's coming it's real coming. quick. Yeah. I'm trying to find an artist who'll do it. It's weird. <laughs> Hard to find. Yeah. I mean, uh, our, our kick guy pointed me out to the dark web or whatever. So oh, I think great. I'm, uh, yeah, no, just what good. we need. It just yeah. brought Thanks, us all JV, down. Appreciate it. Yeah. <laughs> Three hours. JV, not JP. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but let's go back that deep dive. Just, yeah. Uh, yeah, but I haven't said that yet, Dre. Thank so, you yeah. very much, you guys. Um, but just to go back to that, so you I mean it was really big. Our whole program was funded. The academy program was based on on periodization. 
uh, especially using some of that. We play a four-three-three. We, yeah, everything we do is kind of built on a bit of, of the vision that that Harry Singer had for the game, and uh, and his vision comes a little bit from Varian's work and mm-hmm. from certainly his influences. Um, what was his club again? Uh, it's slipping my mind here. Groningen. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, uh, and he was well actually said. quite. He was quite a good player, Harry. By the way, and he had a very good career uh, in Holland and at the highest level in yeah. Holland. So, yeah, and his son is even a bigger prospect than, than the dad. Is he right? still with Ajax? Do you know, um, I'm not sure if he's. Sure. I haven't checked. Lately. By the way, check out Becoming Zlatan on Netflix. Oh my goodness! <laughs> All right, uh, such a nice guy. Yeah. But uh, yeah, but I'm going to see him in Toronto this weekend. Oh great! So I'm. I'm I'm trying to get someone to, to. I'm going through someone else to try to get me a, a sit down, hopefully, coffee meeting with him for an hour or so. Well, that'll be so good. he can tell me everything I'm doing wrong. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. Anyhow, well, there you go. Well, that's fantastic. Uh, we're going to actually uh, start to end the show here. It's we're going to wrap it up. We're going to wrap it up. It's oh, been a solid, awesome. solid performance today. Although I've apparently said. What have I said too much here? That's awesome. awesome. Oh, that's awesome. That's awesome. That's awesome. <laughs> See, it all depends on the inflection of how you say that's awesome. Anyway, uh, I want to thank... Make me smile. <laughs> I want to thank uh, JP. I want to thank Andreas and James for sitting in. And, uh, of course, for our guest today, um, Mr. Ball. It was uh, a good show. I'm enjoying it. I enjoyed it. Did you guys oh, enjoy that's it? That's why we did can this. I, uh, that's why can we do I it. publicly thank our other media guy, Marcus, for letting me pay for his two beers? He oh, out. there we go. Thanks. Marcus, Thanks. you're going to be. Thank this is now uh, public and live, so oh my gosh. Uh, there may be some repercussions <laughs> that's uh, how later. That's it sounds like. <laughs> that was Jimmy, by the way, Marcus. <laughs> so thanks for listening to our first uh, Rabbit Radio of the Year and uh, the start of a brand new season coming your way. Lots more information and uh, thoughts about the club. In episodes to come, all right? So from everybody here, thanks for listening, and we'll talk to you again soon from Rabbit Radio and the First Round Sports Restaurant in downtown Edmonton. We'll see you. You're listening to Rabbit Radio, the official podcast of FC Edmonton.